all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Well, your week might have been more interesting than mine, but I know that I had an interesting week because on Friday night I spent my evening masturbating on a towel in front of 16 other women in a garage in the woods. (laughs) Now today, I know everyone is very curious about hearing the sordid and moist details of that encounter, but I am not going to talk about it today. Not because I don't want to. I really cannot wait to share the story with you, but because it's a topic that deserves plenty of time all on its own. And I do not want to sully this exciting and interesting conversation about medical cannabis with, uh, you know, the story about me spreading oil all over my body and then touching myself while the people moaned and screamed next to me. Ugh, now that's an image. Sorry about that. I, I, I said that I wasn't trying to distract you, and now this is all I'm talking about. It's just some gross shit that nobody needs to hear. And it's not gross, actually. I realize that this... I, I need to be able to slightly more aware that this is a distracting sexual thing that probably people are like... I, well, it was weird. Well, I, I went into the gym, and everyone was seem, seemed a bit awkward with me. Everyone was kind of like not exactly making eye contact with me because they all knew that I masturbated the night before. It, men, mostly. I don't think any of the girls really cared, but I, I realized that like it kind of made people a little bit awkward. <laughs> I was the one that fucking did it, guys. So I couldn't understand why no one was talking to me last night, and then I realized it was just because everybody's just constantly imagining me masturbating. <laughs> and now you are too. So I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. The point is, I will tell you the story about that night. Next week's podcast, we're going to have an entire hour to discuss many things to do with connection, uh, both to our physical selves as well as our mental state of being. So don't you stress. This conversation, however, is an incredibly uh, interesting and informative conversation about the current state of medical cannabis in Australia, which is a issue that is obviously quite close to my heart. If you listen to me talk about the drug war, um, I obviously have very strong feelings about how fucked up it is and how wrong it is that the government is telling us what we can and cannot put inside our body. So uh, forgive me, I get a little bit evangelistic as I tend to do when I talk about drugs. So, um, But this is a great conversation. I had three producers slash directors of the new documentary called High as Mike, in the studio with me. They were Daniel Raffaelli, Craig Wilson, and Peter Cross. And the documentary that they're producing, it follows the life of a, or sorry, follows the journey of a guy called Mike who's got a brain tumor. And he rides this bike all around the entire country of Australia trying to figure out how to gain access to legal medical cannabis. What are some of the blockages that get in the way of that? Whether or not cannabis works to cure him or help him or any other ailment that it's proposing to be able to do. 
Uh, it sounds like such a cool story, and I can't wait to see the movie. The documentary will be out, um, I believe, sometime in March, and they're actually going to release it on the Gold Coast with Lucy Haslam and the United in Compassion activists. So that will be very, very exciting, and I will have all of the details on that when it gets released. Um, in the meantime, if you feel like this is an important topic or if you listen to this podcast and realize that it is probably um, something that might impact you or your family, please do go and support the movie. Uh, it's called High as Mike on Facebook or High as Mike underscore Daco on Instagram um, so that more people can get behind it. More people are sorry, at least they can show that people care that this is an important issue and maybe someday our politicians will actually listen to what the people want. One of the really interesting things that they said in here, which kind of blew my mind, is that uh, Australia legalized medical cannabis in 2014, and then they made it easier to access in 2016. But since then, only 1,000 patients have been receiving medical cannabis through their doctors, through the legal channel. And what they found out was at least... Of the people they could count, it is at least over 200,000 people that are being treated with medical cannabis right now in Australia through the black market. So I don't know how to do math on that, but there's something fucking ridiculously wrong when a country legalizes a medicine that is obviously working for over 200,000 patients and only 1,000 of them are getting it through the legal channel. So this is a great conversation about some of the reasons why maybe that's going wrong, and the whole documentary uh, is trying to answer that question. So if you or anyone you know uh, is suffering from something that medical cannabis may be able to help them with, um, this might be a good conversation for you. And also uh, you can reach out to a bunch of different groups all around Australia that are trying to help raise awareness on this and get people access to uh, cannabis in the legal way uh, if you can't, then they'll also be able to help you get it through the black market way if you have to. Because these people are, I, and I know them personally, obviously, from a, um, a lot of the activism that I did in the last few years, there are a bunch of really, really good, smart people out there that are just trying to do the best by the people they meet. Um, uh, one of those groups is called the Medical Cannabis Users Association. Uh, they, that's MCUA. They're on Facebook. Uh, United in Compassion is another one, UIC. Um, oh, also, if you want to support the film, if you like this conversation, want to support the film, uh, they have a donation page on documentaryaustralia.com.au slash uh, Mike. So please have a wonderful week. Enjoy the conversation. And I will check back in next week with a glorious, juicy moist. Hi, and welcome officially. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much for coming down. I really appreciate you coming, um, fitting me into your busy schedule of getting fucked around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's a pleasure. Um, so you guys were just filming up in the sunny coast, and you've been traveling all over Australia filming this documentary, High as Mike. Yeah, that's correct. We started in February this year, uh, which took us to Sydney to a, a symposium where uh, we you know, first got introduced to the whole medicinal cannabis industry, I suppose it was. Yeah. A few phone calls later, um, we're doing a documentary right. called High as Mike, and then we're going from Tamworth to Melbourne to Adelaide, 
Alice Springs, Uluru, Townsville, you know, we've been all over Australia. It's been pretty incredible. Was that the um, Hemp Health and Innovation Expo? No, this one was a UCI, you know, you're not in Compassion Forum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was in Sydney. I I was invited, I made a phone call to Lucy Haslam in Tamworth. Um, She's an activist for this. And uh, basically spoke to her and said, look, we're interested in doing a documentary. And she was the person to talk to. So Mm. met up with her, had, had a cup of coffee and she just let it all out. It was yeah, three three great. hour conversation. I sat there with my jaw open, thinking I know absolutely zero yeah. about medicinal cannabis, except you know, in my early youth, I used to smoke a bit of pot. You know, that was it. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to uh, try and learn as much as I could as quickly as possible. And um, the conversation came about to the boys. Said, "Look, you know, this is a documentary we need to do." Mm. And um, basically, what happened then was. Um, Hit the road. Hit the road. Hit the yeah, road. hit the road. So what made you pick Mike as the subject of your documentary? Well, we um, had done another documentary last year called uh, Road to Rescue and he was in that. And uh, Mike and Daniel became friends. And at this symposium, um, Mike went with Daniel to help him out to do sound. Oh, cool. And they were sitting there listening to all of these stories about, well, sorry, not stories, these people discussing medicinal cannabis with scientists and black market growers and all that sort of thing. And Mike got angry because Mm. he um, was diagnosed with a a brain tumour in 2003 and he'd never been told about the benefits of medicinal cannabis in his life and he'd been on opioids and he'd been on everything. And... um, he got very angry about it and he turned to Daniel and said, Mate, um, if you're looking for a trial, I want to be that trial. Yeah, i got to do so, it. So, you know, I mean, we, we, we were going to do a documentary, but the fact that Mike has a brain tumour and, you know, the information he was listening to was that, uh, you know, medicinal cannabis reduces the size of uh, brain tumours. He just said, we've got to do this. So mm. that's how it basically started. Um, went from there to it's just starting to interview. I just got on Facebook, went to the medicinal cannabis sites, said, look, we're going to be doing a documentary. If anyone would be willing to speak on camera, send me a private message. And uh, I think four people got in contact with me and a few people did it openly and there were, everyone was attacking them, saying, don't do it, you know, you'll go to jail if you if you speak out loud, and which was a real shame. Yeah. But we got uh, a group of people from Newcastle and they all came forward and their stories just one after another. Yeah. Lady with breast cancer, you know, told she was going to die stage four. She'd been through, she tried chemotherapy. Her, her oncologist said, look, I can't save your life. All we can do is probably give you a little bit more time. We'll go down the chemotherapy route. She tried it once and just... It, basically nearly killed her. She knew yeah. she was dying and then decided to take medicinal cannabis and 14 weeks later she didn't have a tumour and <laughs> just shit like that. Oh, we my were, God, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, so it? we had one after another. Another lady who went in, she had a sinus infection and she went to a doctor. Doc said, you got to go and see an EMT guy. Went there. He said, oh, that's the worst, worst case I've ever seen in my life. I think we're going to need to do some surgery. Next day she was in hospital they cut open her face, they damaged, did some damage to her face and she was suicidal after that. She woke up, she was in pain. The next two years she couldn't sleep. Wow. Someone said to her one day, 
if you try to join, and she's just like, hang on a second, yeah, whoa, no. whoa, whoa, you know, this is illegal, wouldn't do that. She smoked one joint and it was the best night's sleep she ever had. Mm. She first sleep in two years without waking up screaming in pain. Yeah, wow. So we're just hearing story after story after story and we're just getting blown away by this. Mm. And uh, basically the, the, the Mike... When he was hearing all this, just said, "Look, we've got to do this. We've we've, we've got to. I want to be this. Tell people. I want to be that. I want to be that person. Yeah, I want, I want mm. to go on this trial. Why don't we film that? Let's let's. And, I, and then it became high as Mike. I mean, Mike's the the character, and <laughs> Mike's going to get high. Yeah, <laughs> and he's going to get healed. <laughs> well, that's yeah. right. So. Those guys are great. I um, through my uh, work with some of the medical cannabis groups over the last few years, I've met a bunch of the Newcastle people, and they're some of the best people I know. Like, yeah, incredibly yeah, good people. Yeah, and it was yeah. so good that they came out and they were happy to be on uh, on camera because it's a it's a you know. Yeah, well, they're doing the right thing. They're doing the this, right thing. I mean, there's a trouble. You've got what's happening with Andrew Catalaris. Um, yes, that's his name, Andrew mm-hmm. Catalaris. Right now, you guys, Doctor Andrew, he. Um, because he's facing major jail time, like yeah. a really long time for what he's done. And that was because the cops had seen him in that today, tonight, some kind of, there was something that went on TV and he showed them his little laboratory and then mm-hmm. the next day he was raided and it was over. And they're not taking any into consideration, any nuance at all, at all. in what he's doing. Nothing. No. Like that you're, you can weigh up, all right, you're doing something illegal from your house but you've saved 200 lives potentially. I'm not saying that he's done everything perfectly or not perfectly or whatever. This is not a judgment on this person's character as a human being. I've met him personally. I think he's a good guy. But the point that you cannot even take into consideration, it may be illegal, but you're saving people's lives. We have to reconsider. Like uh, Martin Luther King said, that if it is our duty as citizens to disobey unjust laws, and this is one of those examples. And I, I know people might just think, oh, you're a crazy pot smoker, you just want to get high. It's, no, it's way bigger than that. Mm. We, as citizens of this community in a democratic society, have to see when something is desperately wrong and look at it. Mm. At least have the conversation, right? Totally, totally. <clears throat> I mean, with this documentary, we are hoping that we make people angry to yeah. stand up and make a noise and take on... You know, the, the status quo and, and the legislation. Yeah, that's good. what we're hoping to achieve. I help people become aware that they have the right to try medicinal cannabis. Right. Everyone has the right to go in and ask their GP if they, if they can use medicinal cannabis if they're in pain, if mm. they've got Parkinson's, mm. if they've got Crohn's disease, if they've got a cancer, if they've got a gut problem, whatever it might be. Mm. Everyone has the right to ask to try medicinal cannabis. Mm. Yeah. Because at the moment, uh, unfortunately, there's thousands of people with upset tummies and... and and poor, and poor organ, uh, potential organ failure and those sorts of things due to other medicines and, and whatnot that have been bandied around. Yeah. Um, you asked earlier on, you know, what's stopping? Maybe, maybe it's just simple education, yeah. understanding, awareness. And yeah, that's, I can And see that's that. the aim of this documentary is to, is to help yeah. open people's minds up, create awareness, understand um, the, the opportunities that are out there with medicinal cannabis and essentially, um, and, and, and overarchingly, probably help our system to become one of the better systems in the world mm. because there are a lot of systems in the world that aren't quite right. Yeah, So yeah, Australia is looked upon as being a granny state. We are very driven by rules and regulations 
And I think the rest of the world probably is looking towards Australia to have a really great system when it comes to medicinal cannabis. Yeah, well, do you know, they've done it in Colorado. I spoke to a couple activists when I was over there about what it took for them to make the change over there. And in Australia, uh, everybody's looking to medical cannabis first. They're thinking the only way to get through the door is medical cannabis. And uh, the activists in the U.S. have warned me that that's a little bit of a dangerous path to take because you start to segregate the two and you start to still have that same stigma around a recreational cannabis user isn't a valid user because medical cannabis is the only valid use for it. Mm. And that is where we... So when you asked me before if you thought how far away we were from legalization, if we only go down the medical route, we are only looking to a medical, potentially pharmaceutical-only regulated model, which is, in my opinion, not good enough and not probably the right way to go. Well, it's been legalised here since 2014. Right. So far, far, medically, so far there's been a 1,000 prescriptions written for medicinal cannabis. In eight years. Yeah. No, 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 four, four years. years. There's a thousand patients being treated currently yeah. on that system, system yeah. and potentially up to 200, maybe even more, thousand people, 200 plus thousand people being treated on the black, uh, market. On the black market. Now, doing high as Mike, you know, being on the road, we've visited quite a few dispensaries, which we can't name, but yeah. happy to talk about. Yeah. And um, one of them in particular, they see 2,000 patients a week wow. come through there. Every week. That's amazing. There's 2,000 people. And we, 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 we actually sat outside one of them and caravan pulls up, grey nomad jumps out, they go in to get the medication, come back, off they go. And this happens day in, day out. Mm, we stayed all over. We've stayed, you know, we, we've kept basically camped around Australia, stayed in all the caravan parks. Every time you turn up in caravan park, first thing or anyone does there, where are you from? Where are you, what are you guys doing? You know, because mm. there's two or three cars, seven people get out and we look like shit. <laughs> and um, we say, oh, we're doing a, uh, a documentary on medicinal cannabis called High as Mike. And they go, oh, yeah, um, my wife, she's, she's taking it. She's, she's, wow. she's got arthritis. Or, and my brother-in-law yeah. and my auntie and my yeah. son. Yeah. Someone and all these, <laughs> wow. everybody's on it. Mm. Everybody's yeah. taking it. Yeah. And the thing for us is what blew us away was, I mean, you've got to go in there with a, a level head and, and find out whether this, this stuff works or not. And so far, it just works. Mm. And that's mm. what has done all, all our heads in, I think, because mm. we were expecting people to come out and say, oh, I've tried this and it didn't work for me, or they've had some relief. Yeah. Now, whether it's, you know, it's cured their tumour or, like, or reduce their tumour inside or whatever it is, it's made them feel better. Mm. If they lost their hunger, they start to eat more. Mm. If, you know, they, they were suffering pain, the pain's gone away. Yeah, wow. It, it, it's just so mind-blowing. what is stopping people from getting it through the legal channels then? Why do we have this crazy discrepancy between... What we have, is, what we've seen so far is, okay, we've got this whole new system of... Medicinal cannabis. Um, like, I don't, really, I don't want to get too political because I want everyone to go and watch Tyler's Mike and I won't give too <laughs> much will. away. But you've got... The, the, the biggest problem I can see at the moment is the lack of education that our local GPs mm. don't have. It all comes down to education. They're not taught about the medicinal cannabis plant 
at university mm. or the cannabinoid system. And that cannab- yeah, cannabinoid yeah. system. They, yeah. they don't know anything about that. And and they're only just learning about that. I'm hoping that, you know, the, the, the medical universities now are teaching that, but they've got no idea. So you've got people walking into the, in, into the doctor's office and saying, look, I, I, I want some medicinal cannabis. They know more than the doctors. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And there are symposiums and, and forums and whatnot going on. Oh. And unfortunately... Um, whether it be GPs just aren't aware that they're there or they've, you know, they've got too busy or whatever it might be, unfortunately, they're just not turning up. Right. And well, yeah, and it's a fringe world, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. imagine being a medical doctor and showing up to one of those things and just seeing a bunch of, you know, nimbanites and being like, no, We went to one in Sanders. It's not like that It's doctors, it's scientists. It's research right. scientists. Research scientists, mm. research fellows who are talking. Factual information. Factual information. Yeah. So, so, so Mike in, and, you know, this is in one of the promos, but Mike went to see his local GP in Tamworth because that's where he's from and basically walked in and said, look, I'm trying to get, med- you know, I'm, 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 I want some medicinal cannabis. I've heard it's great for brain tumours. And the doctor basically said to him, look, um, we don't do this sort of thing here. Um, you're probably going to have to Google it or go to Sydney. He just says... Mm-hmm. You know, so so we've gone from that. This is in the in the last eight eight months. To there was actually a, a an education day for doctors in Tamworth, which we were lucky. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it was all about teaching them about medicinal cannabis. Now I, I don't know how many doctors there are in Tamworth, but there you know there's a few hundred doctors there in the region. In the region, mm-hmm. easily, they got six doctors turned up for that. Oh my god! Which was so disappointing. Yeah. They ended up having 30 or 40 nurses and every, whoever went to it, I mean, they loved every minute of it. And the doctors that went were interested, but I think at the end of the day, there was three or four doctors who actually did the whole course. Wow. Like most other countries, though, like that, that have been down this track and, and we're you know, years behind, essentially, um, it starts off as a cultural problem because, because of our past 100 years of what we've learnt, propaganda, so on and so on. We all know for a fact, all, everyone sitting around this table right now and all, and all the listeners probably know that cannabis is a, is a great plant. It's a, it's a wondrous plant. It's got some fantastic properties, medicinal and otherwise. Mm. Um, you know, we're connected to it in some way, shape or form in our bodies. Yeah. So, but the problem is that we have a cultural issue. Yeah. Um, there are people out there that are very accepting and there are people out there that are still stuck in that cultural problem, that cultural error. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're a state politician, a, a, a federal politician, uh, a state lawmaker, a federal lawmaker, a federal um, uh, operator when it comes to the, 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 med- um, the medical industry or whatever it might be, there are still people, pockets of people that are <coughs> against cannabis. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. I think that's going to be anywhere. It doesn't matter what country you're from. Yeah. And it's a shame because when you actually look at the origins, I did um, a podcast just a couple of weeks ago on the origins of the drug war in the United States. And it wasn't a cannabis specific, but but all of the drugs that they've basically banned over there all start from there's two reasons, mainly uh, racism and the other one is money. And that's it. So what's frustrating about it is that there are people that are could benefit from using cannabis in one way or another, whether it's for a medical ailment or just for social relaxation or whatever, a different reason. Like for me, I don't drink, but I like to smoke weed because I think it's a nicer way of dealing with my brain matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) than other ways. But um, the racism was that they didn't like um, black people in the United States. 
and they didn't like Mexican people in the United mm. States. This is Harry Anslinger from right from the very start, from the end of World War One, where this began, and it was earlier than that with the Chinese immigrants. They they made smoking opium illegal way before World War One, when the first Chinese immigrants came over to California. It was a means of controlling a people yep. that they were afraid of, the other that they were afraid of. Mm. And that is still what's driven the UN conventions on narcotics. The reason why we have a ban on narcotics all across the entire world is mostly racist, firstly, but then obviously there was a benefit in making money out of mm. it. I just listened to some uh, a guy, he does, he's one of the founders of Dance Safe, which is a, like a drug testing group that go to the raves and test drugs, try, test your pills for you so you know what you're getting. So in case you don't, you know, you don't yeah. poison yourself with PMA. Um, and he was saying that the, of the three money makers in the world, there's oil, drugs are right behind it, and then ammunition, arms. Mm. So the things that we're dealing with, the second one in there is all black market. So the most money that's being transferred around this globe right now is oil, then drugs, then ammunition. And we think like the Halliburton is this giant big company, you know what I mean? It's this big corporate industry and they're feeling wars and it's a disaster and it's a nightmare. Nobody's looking at the drug trade, which actually transfers more money around the globe than that. That's fucking crazy. And most of that is in illegal drug trade. So if we legalize it, what happens to that money? Comes into the system. Right, exactly. And the trouble with weed in particular is that it's a plant. Mm. It's not patentable. You, you can patent MDMA. You can have a pharmaceutical company that sells MDMA. And that's why I think it's kind of creepy, but they're doing really well with this. Um, there's a group called MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, you guys heard of them? Nope. <laughs> so, hell of a name, right? Yeah. They, um, over in California right now, they're just in their phase three trials for using um, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for PTSD. And they're having incredible results with it. It's really, really cool. But so anyways, if they pass their phase three trials, it will become a prescribable medicine. But it's a medicine that can be patented and produced by mm. a pharmaceutical company that can make money. So they're making it through their channel. Weed, on the other hand, is a plant that you can grow in your back garden. Yeah. And yeah. the pharmaceutical companies are definitely resisting to that. I think there's a little bit, I think uh, the weed activists tend to get a bit up, up and crazy, uppity uh, conspiracy theorist about this. I think it's a lot more nuanced than just people wanting to make money. But I agree that the pharmaceutical companies are having a major pushback against this right now. Alcohol lobbyists mm -hmm. and pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies are definitely standing in the way mm -hmm. of government regulation on this. Don't disagree at all. Mm. Yeah. Is that something you've been finding? <clears throat> it's not something that we've concentrated on, but okay. it, an anecdotally, mm. you know, it's there. Mm. It's there. It's it's um like we, with Highs Mike, we've not been out to um, slander or to you know, expose anybody. Yeah, sure. It's, it's been about showing uh, the patient access to medicinal cannabis, and that's been our. A driving storyline from day one. What is the current situation for patient patient access? Like, what do they have to go through to get cannabis if they wanted it? Push hard. Mm. <laughs> push hard. That is so hard. hard. Yeah. It is just so difficult for them. Ah, oh, that sucks. They got to find a first. They got to find a doctor who can prescribe it. Who is willing to? Willing to, and you can't advertise that. So you don't know who will. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's through word of mouth. Oh, you're and a doctor. And you've got to live within the radius. Yeah. And you've got to live within a radius of that doctor. So with Mike. Oh, my so God. Mike went So Mike went to his local GP. The GP said no. He went to two, actually. Both said no. He found a doctor who prescribes medicinal cannabis. So we all jump in the car and drive down to Katoomba. And he walks in. We sit down. And we're doing an interview. And what's so amazing about Hires Mike as a documentary is Mike is the patient and he's interviewing everyone from politicians to doctors to scientists. Wow. It's not a journalist doing this. It's yeah. Mike. He wants to know what's, you know, wh- which road he should take. So he went and saw the GP, sat down and told the GP his problems. He's got a brain tumour. This is his story. Mm. And what should I do? And the doctor says, well, look, I'm really sorry. I can't help you because you live within a 75 Kilometre radius, outside of a 75 kilometre radius at that stage, so we can't help you. And he goes, well, my only option now is the black market. And she said, look, I really... Can't advise you. Yeah, I'm trying to give a little bit more emotion here. (laughs) She's big, deep breath and says, I would really like to help you, but um, I'm sorry, but that looks like it's going to be your only option. Fuck. So, exactly. So Mike's just looked and gone, and we've all looked at each other and gone, fuck. I can't believe she said it. One, we've got it on camera too. Yeah. And what, what, what other options has this guy got? Wow. He's been told by his, you know, the doctor that he thought that he could go and get medicinal cannabis from, I can't help you. Mm. There's no doctor in Tamworth who prescribes medicinal cannabis. There's no doctor 75 kilometres at that stage radius that he prescribes medicinal cannabis. So what does someone like that do? Yeah. First thing they do is they go, start researching. Oh, you know, I heard this guy here does this, this guy here, or this girl supplies medicinal cannabis oil. Mm. And that's how, how it all starts. That's it. That's where people are going. People are, are trying to find a, not so much a cure, but something that will help them mm. yeah. with, with their problem. And, you know, it's a bloody struggle for them. Well, and what's scary about that, too, is that you start, like, the institution of a doctor in our government are, need to be something that we trust and respect, right? That we know that they're, we pay them, obviously, we pay them to do a job. That's what they're there for, I mean, the government at least. So we need to trust and respect that they're going to help us when we need something, right? And, when, and so when this starts happening and you start seeing very clearly that the system is, is against your best interests, you start to question what the fuck is this system mm. here for anyway? You know what I mean? So everybody starts to disrespect the police because the police, and the police also are in a really tough situation here because they, especially in Queensland, they have an option of prosecuting or, or sorry, I'm arresting you or not. Mm. So they have the choice. If it looks like you're not harming anyone. It's discretion. Yeah, it's mm. up to their distra- mm. discretion. So all of the people that smoke weed up here know that the cops have discretion. So then the cops, if they don't, use their discretion and they arrest you, then the cop is an asshole. Then the cops are bad people. Cops are shitty humans. And cops are just trying to do their job. And I've, I have a, a friend of ours is a cop, and he just said, man, while the law is the law, I have to enforce the law. Mm. And I'm like, but do you agree that it's a bad law? And the he law goes, is an Yeah, and he goes, yeah, it's a bad law, but I have to enforce the law. And I'm like, well, that, that's not good enough. If the law is a bad law, we can't enforce a bad law. We mm. have to 
make a change. Well, well Mike actually interviewed the ex-Federal -Poli uh, Police Commissioner, Mick Palmer. Oh, cool. Yeah, and sat there, we sat down, well, Mike sat down with him, and same deal. He, he says, firstly, he, told, he, he asked him what he thinks he should do because he's been to the sees local GP and the only option is the black market and obviously Mick would have said don't go down that path yeah. but he, he went on about police discretion and said it's really just up to the to the policeman he, and they can't force discretion right that policeman will go either yes or no but they can't say go you know he can't or anyone above can't say to that policeman go easy on that person mm. it's purely up to the to, to that to that and that's a lot of pressure to put on a cop especially if they're getting pressure from their superiors to enforce it and they in their own belief don't believe that they should and what kind of kickbacks are they getting as well i mean we know in the united states there's a concept called civil asset forfeiture do you guys have that here no, do you guys no. know what i'm talking about no. a horrible idea basically the cops if they believe that any of your possessions are in relation to drugs so if you've got cash in the car, example, I'm driving across the country to get a new car and I need to, I bought it on eBay, so I need to pay cash. If they pull me over and they see the cash in the car, they just take it. And they write you a receipt and say, take it up with the courts if you can prove that it's not for drugs. And wow. so you, and you have to go through the courts. But the amount, so say it's $3,000. Yeah. That person saved up for two years to get $3,000. They don't have... $50,000 to pay for a lawyer to get that $3,000 back. So it just goes to the cops. And the other creepy thing about this is fucking crooks. The cops have a budget for stuff they need, right? Like if they need a new car, they go to the police commissioner and they get money for a car. But so they don't use the civil asset forfeiture for things they need. They use it for stuff they don't need, like Christmas parties, a Slurpee machine inside the fucking precinct, tanks. They, they buy tanks from the army because the police commissioner is like, you don't need a tank. And they go, whoa, I'll show you. We stole a bunch of cash from a bunch of drug dealers this last month. And whether they were drug dealers or not, it could have been anybody. You don't, and, and this is the thing about a person. A person has to, is innocent until proven guilty. Your stuff is guilty until proven innocent. So if they, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if you're, if the benefit of the cop is to arrest you because they're going to make their quota for the month, whether they have discretion or not is irrelevant because mm. the system is telling them to enforce a law that they don't believe in. That's no good. Yeah, there's, still a line, there's still a line in the sand, though, between what you're talking about. You mentioned um, recreational versus medicinal. Mm. So I think, to, in all fairness, we have to come back to that point right now. If, if a person is caught using oil under their tongue or whatever it might be and they happen mm. to run a test and damn, they get caught driving a car or whatever it might be. Can the policeman turn a blind eye? Who knows? And this is just all discussion and opinion now, I guess, at the end of the day. Mm. But let's not forget here that, like, and, and that's probably the worst-case scenario, but if a... And we're not here to point fingers at anyone. I think the best way to move forward is not to raise a placard and go on marches and those sorts of things. I think what we're doing right now and helping awareness and helping people mm. become educated about cannabis and medicinal cannabis and cannabis in particular through research through facts and figures is the best way right absolutely can a policeman turn a blind eye to someone using medicinal cannabis yes they can are they more likely to turn a blind eye to someone using medicinal cannabis versus recreational yes they are mm. that's a simple that's simple isn't it it I, is I, practical as well and it makes sense to me like i i get that i definitely i would hands down agree that if somebody's using medical cannabis to treat a brain tumor they 
like it's insane to take it off of them. Mm. That's insane. But at the same time, anybody that is having drug-seeking behavior in general is mm. suffering from some kind of life crisis issue that mm. they'd rather escape their life. And this is me obviously coming from uh, dependency on alcohol for a long time, is that I know that if we had better me mental health programs, better mental health protocols and helping people, mm. not criminalizing people for using substances, instead of mm. criminalizing them, dealing with their issues, helping them realize that if you're getting arrested for smoking weed, you're probably smoking weed too much. I can, I can agree mm -hmm. that. Unless you get pulled over driving and people and they test you and it's still residual in your system, I think that's a problem. I think that's something that's a separate issue. But if you get caught smoking weed that much that you get arrested for it, you probably have a problem that needs to be dealt with through the medical system, through mental health, because nobody wants to escape their life unless something is going wrong inside their brain. Do you know what I mean? A drug addict is not at fault necessarily they have whatever life circumstances has put them in that position and they're at a loss for taking care of themselves and they're using a substance to mask it that's a, another conversation mm -hmm. we need to have and this is why i was saying before that i think it's dangerous to to separate cannabis users into medical and recreational because uh a i believe that cannabis is a much less dramatic plant or drug to be using of any of the drugs out there. Mm -hmm. If somebody's recreationally using cannabis and not out drinking and beating their wife, then great. I'm not saying that everyone <laughs> drinks beats their wife. But but the statistics are there. The statistics are there, exactly. Yeah. And it, it, it is a much more, it's a less harmful possibly variation of escaping your life than many of the other options we have out there. Mm -hmm. But through mental health and education programs, if we could all come to uh, the acknowledgement that people that use substances to escape their life probably need a bit more social structure and a little bit more social help, we could probably change this whole conversation in general. That that wouldn't even be a line we need to draw in the sand. No. Mm. I think what's um, w w one of the issues I have is um, this the whole black market in Australia. Mm. How rampant, how massive it is. Yeah, I mean. How many people are suffering daily and choosing to take a product, they're not sure if it's pure. Right. But it's out there. And you've got these, uh, we'll call it black market, green market, whatever. But um, there's thousands and thousands of people. These guys who are, who are treating these people have got so much knowledge that's not being shared because yeah. they're looked at as criminals. Right. They've been treating people for 40, 50 years, some of these black market. Yeah, the suppliers. Yeah. Mm. And I think what probably I'd like to see is maybe these guys being able to share their knowledge, mm. all their data, because they've got it all there. They know what works, what doesn't work. You've got a headache. You go and see these guys. Yeah, you won't have a headache. And how to administer it. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. if your son suffers from epilepsy, go there. They'll find the right product for you. And then your child won't be having seizures. Mm. We, we, we've seen that. We see, yeah, we've seen it so many times. They're almost kind of more professional than the professionals in the world because they have to be. Because they have got to get their own back. Yeah, one black marketer that we did speak to, um, he, he said, his, his comment was, you know, my mum said to me, you know, how, how do you know more than a doctor? And his answer was, I don't know more than a doctor, I just know the right things. Right. You know. Yeah, and he knows what he's yeah. doing. Mm. Yeah. Be, it's also be, very emotive for them as well. 
Wow. Mm. Yeah. On on average, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but on average, a black a black market um, uh, consultant, if you want to call them that, nowadays, because they're not necessarily the people that grow the stuff. Right. That that they're just the people with the knowledge, the yeah, IP, producing. how how it works, what to do with it, how what's the dosage, how to administer it in the right way, shape or form. On average, these these guys, people, males and females, uh, have roughly five thousand patients each. Wow. Imagine having 5,000 pieces of information pouring into you on a daily basis. Mm. We've seen boxes and boxes and boxes of information poured out on the floor in front of us and it brought the black marketeer to tears wow. because he just knows that the stories inside those envelopes that where people are writing to him, he's either going to be able to help them or he's not. Wow. And he'll know pretty much straight away. Yeah. And I'm talking everywhere, everything from simple fibromyalgia to skin problems to, to, to tumours and end-of-life scenarios. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Their, disease, phones, whatever it might be, you know? their phones don't stop ringing. No. Wow. They just don't stop. You, you can see they're, they're actually, it's doing their heads in. But imagine yeah. having 5,000 customers. No, yeah. no, 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 just one person having 5,000 customers. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, and, they're and, and their customers vary from... Wow. Law-abiding citizens, judges, police officers, yeah. everyday people. Every day, you name it. Have you been able to talk to many of the people that um, are worried about speaking out? Like, why, why the, why are those five thousand people not able to talk about it or take to the streets or, you know, like why is why are we not hearing from them? Fear, mm-hmm. fear yeah. of criminal. Because our culture says that there'll be there'll be a comeback. There'll be someone knocking yeah. on your door at some point saying. We're really sorry about this, and we understand mm-hmm. it might be medicinal, but we're being told that you're, you know, being and they're scared drugs. that they're going to have their medicine taken off them. Because yeah. at the day, it's not we're not smoking a joint here. Mm. We're talking about medicine. These guys need this to function. Wow. So that's what they're worried about. They're worried if they come on camera and say, oh, "I'm taking it for this, and it's work. It's worked for the last five years." The day they show their face, they feel like mm. cops come around the next day. It's going to be taken off them. Mm. And that's what it is. Yeah. Like the, the Taylor family, for example. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, the two daughters suffering from Crohn's disease. And um, they were telling us their story. And he was arrested for growing plants in his backyard. He was juicing it. And the girls, all symptoms of their Crohn's disease went away. Wow. 100% away. They got raided. All the plants were taken. And... Stephen, he was in tears, the father, he was in tears because he was taking the medicine away from the girls and they reverted back to mm. pre-sickness, losing weight. Um, oh they're back in hospital. Back in hospital. The girls have got colostomy bags because their insides have mm. One young destroyed. girl had part of a stomach removed mm. and she's on a colostomy bag and you so know. on and so on from opioid-style drugs or whatever yeah. that drug was. But on, on their medicine, they were functioning perfectly normal, healthy lives. Raw, by the way. Yeah, raw. and so I was going to say, so when you said juicing cannabis, I mean, mm. this is not, you, we're there's not no THC to, there's activation no t- in it whatsoever. Not they're not no. getting high. All they're, they're doing is stripping the, the leaf in the, in the head. It's like getting some rocket and putting it on your salad, same thing. They were juicing it in suppositories yeah. at the end of the day. Mm. That, was their, that was their form of medicine. My so, God. So, so juice and suppository mm. worked really well for both of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's medicine. And did the 
cops or the government give them any reason why they needed to take it away. Obviously, it's an illegal plant, but... I, I think the plants got to a stage where they got a little bit too high and the neighbours looked across and go, <laughs> holy hell, there's, some, yeah, <laughs> there's 50 plants or 100 plants. I mean, but when you, when you hear Stephen talk and talk the way he used to juice the plants and strip the leaves... You need a lot of you That's need what lot he of needed plants. to, to actually need a lot of to, to run because a successful juice. Yeah. You, the plants have to come in season at a certain time, so he's, he's planning them, you know, he's... he's Strategic. Yeah, mm. it's all done like that. Yeah. Mm. And, and they'd have, like, a juicing weekend every fortnight or month or whatever it might be and just just juice and juice and then put it in the fridge and make their suppositories and just do it that way. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, it wasn't very far into their process that they, they were... Um, the police came... But look, having said that too, they were really, really clear. The whole family were very clear that the, the police um, initially thought that they were dealing with some drug dealers. Mm. That's the way they saw yeah, it. Sure. But within minutes, they knew that they weren't because there was no bongs, there was no uh, cash, there was no bags of hooch in the ceiling or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It, that is all they found was the plants, a juicer, and some suppositories in the fridge. Yeah. That's it. That's all wow. they found in the after. At the house, and that's how simple it is, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And still, but it's still. And those police taken. were, yeah, those, yeah, but those police were, they were gutted, like they were, yeah, you know, they, they had to do it, but mm. that's that's the, the pressure of the system, yeah. They were very apologetic mm. to, to Steve and the girls. They they knew that that that's probably one of those occasions where maybe someone could have turned a blind eye, but Damn. it didn't happen. Mm. Yeah, but that's a tough one to turn a blind eye to when when yeah. the law says you can't you could have one plant but having fifty is a mm. yeah. Yeah. So what we what we really really need in Australia is for people to speak up. Going, we need thousands of people every day going to their GP saying I'd like to try medicinal cannabis for my health mm. issue or for well being or whatever it might be. That's where the change is going to happen. Education. Mm. Yeah. Other, other, otherwise, people will end up being more educated than the doctors, and the doctors will become obsolete mm. in yeah. this particular field. In the, yeah, in that field. Mm. Yeah, that's a scary mm. road to go down. I mean, because that's the thing, you don't want to lose trust in our medical profession. I no. trust that doctors go through a lot of regimented training to mm. keep me healthy, mm. and I don't want to lose trust in them. But I do, mm. I mean, I absolutely, and, and just experiencing what I've seen over the last few years of doing this myself, mm. it's like, mm. fuck. Yeah. You, I know better than you, and I don't. I certainly mm. don't. But in but some, but you would areas, know your body. Your body. You'd know yeah, your, your body, body better than yeah. for sure. You'd know that. Mm. And yeah. you're taking if you're and taking and if you're smoking a joint because whether you suffer from anxiety or whatever it is, and you feel better after you do that, a form of self medication. But you feel why can't you do that? Right. You should have the right to try that. You should have the right to do that. That's the thing. We should have the right to be able to choose what goes inside our body. I think then we also need the education and the mental health support system to make sure that you're not using that in a negative way. The same way gambling, all of them, shopping, all of the shit, you know? People have an addiction to money and we call them heroes. I don't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like people are destroying the planet, destroying people's lives to get more dollars in their bank account mm. and they're a hero. They're on the front cover of Forbes magazine. That's a psychopath in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? That's an addict. But for some reason we just think that's okay. I don't yeah. get it. But I guess, look, you know, if you're sick, what are you going to do? You go to your doctor, they say I can't help you. Mm. Or here you have all of these opioids, have mm. all these drugs that still may not help you. I've been brought up a conservative person pretty much my entire life and I've never been sick. If I got sick today, I know where I'd be going. Yeah, wow. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I would, out of duty, go to a doctor and go, this is my symptoms, and if they say, you know, you've got what condition, whatever, cancer, 
I know where I'm going. Mm. Wow. Yeah. No, no, no mm. question. No question. Having mm. said that, though, a large majority of, of people that we talk to um, believe that there, there needs to be some sort of regulation. You yeah. Like, you know, and, and I think we know, all know, and I'll, I'll say right off the cuff, when I started this process and this project with these guys, um, I, I must admit, crikey, this sounds too good to be true, just go and throw a few seeds in the ground and plant in the backyard and juice it or put up your bum or do whatever you <laughs> want to do, you know what I mean? Just get it in you, you know? Right. But it's actually not like that. Right. Yeah. We've interviewed so many people and spoken to so many people that this particular um, unique strand or strain actually works for them then they've had to trial this, that and the other. And I think that's where we need to get to in Australia. I believe that's where we need to get to. We need to have such an open system that a young guy who might be 20, 21 years old living in Brisbane or the Gold Coast doesn't have to go to Canada or the USA to get a particular strain for his brain tumour. He can actually get it in Australia through trial and error by trying strain A, B or C. That didn't work. So, hey, here's D. Wow, that works. Right. You know what I mean? That's what we need to get to because there is a difference between this strain and that strain and that strain, that they are different. They yes. have different. We're so far away from that. Wow. We are, we're a long way from that. But we, we, you know. Yeah, and yeah. It's, an, it's an incredible, like, that these uh, black market suppliers are helping up to 5,000 patients, over probably 200,000 patients right now in Australia using the black market, and this is cowboy territory still, not really knowing what mm-hmm. strands and what exactly uh, ratios are in it, what the cannabinoids are, what they're actually doing to the body. All we know is it's working, so you keep going. And what I did uh, learn, and I don't know if you found this out, from them, you might be able to elucidate this on me, for me, um, but they were saying that even sometimes you'll have the same strain and you'll be, it'll be working, it'll be working, it'll be working, then suddenly it stops working, they have to change. Is that mm-hmm. right? That's, that happens, yes. Yeah. Mm. So it, uh, and that's what they did in Colorado, and I think this regulation is absolutely the way forward. Mm. I, I, and I think, um, I, you know, some of the really hardcore weed activists would say it's not right, it needs to be out of the government's hands completely, but I don't agree. I think you're absolutely right. When you're dealing with this stuff, it's a science, and it's incredible. The amount of innovation that you can have when really taking that stuff into consideration, like, that you can see exactly what makes up this thing and know just to tweak it, maybe lift that ratio from CBD to THC just a little, depending on the profile of the plant mm. itself it might have a drastically different effect and even just for a recreational smoker it's really interesting too because you could go in there and be like i want to get super high i just want to get out of my mind and they give you some crazy high thc ratio so a thc is super high and then there's like a little bit of cbd in it and then you take it home and then you're paranoid and freaked out for three days mm. and then you go fuck weed i never want to smoke weed mm. ever again it's like mm. that's what happens to most people because you don't know what's yeah. in it well, well the, the, the 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 good um black marketeers guys they know exactly yeah, how they, to treat that if you suffer from anxiety, they won't give you that strain. Right. Because that strain will make you freak out. Right, exactly. They know what they're doing. This is what mm. I was saying with sharing knowledge mm. and, and data. Yeah. I mean, this, this, these guys have been doing it for so long. Mm. And now we're seeing, I mean, we visited a, a medicinal farm yesterday and they've got rows of plants saying, this, this row here, this one here helps with epilepsy. That's our epilepsy plant. This one is our PTSD plant. Right. It's all genetically changed. It's all, you know, but they've spent years and years and years developing it. We went and saw a patient uh, in Queensland here, I won't say where, and he tried to get medicinal cannabis, couldn't get it. Long story, I won't go into, but what he ended up doing is growing the product himself. Mm. Suffered from PTSD, started taking it, 
instant relief. It was the only thing that worked. He'd been on every, you name it, every drug on earth, medicinal cannabis, and his psychiatrist and his GPs and doctors have all written saying this is the only thing that works for him. So he started growing his own because he couldn't get it. And he started, you know, mixing plans and modifying himself and he was testing his own product. And I'm not going to tell you the the strain because I told him I wouldn't, but he he, he grew one plant that when he vaporised, he didn't feel hungry for 12 hours. Wow. And he's going, hang on a second, wouldn't this be really good for weight loss or... (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean, or whatever. So oh, he started wow. growing this plant. He started growing all these different plants. And when he would vaporise that plant, it'd make him feel like this. <clears throat> yeah. When he'd vaporise that plant, he didn't feel hungry. And he said, okay, I haven't eaten for 12 hours. I'm going to try this again. Vaporised again. Didn't eat for another 12 hours. Oh, but he actually had to physically eat. Yeah, but he yeah. didn't feel hungry one bit. This is the sort of stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Mm. The sad part about this guy is he got raided, mm. all his plans got taken off him, all his seeds, oh, and he doesn't know how to, yeah. how to get that back again. It was by accident. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think any smart botanist on earth is going to tell you that this, it's an amazing plant. Yes, it's and, got and, so and, much And depending good. on light, soil type, soil temperature, soil acidity, mm. um, moisture in the air, no moisture in the air, whatever it might be, it, it actually produces medicinal qualities right and 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 that's where i think the world's up to and and we, we all know that like the israelis have been doing this for a long time mm. and we've learned that yeah of quite a few people throughout through our course of interviewing and so on that like they're probably one of the most advanced in the world when it comes to um you know Except what does yeah. what and, and mm. how it works and how much light this plant needs to to produce a certain type of flower or whatever it might be to to help epilepsy or parkinson's yeah. or cancer or whatever you know, they, they just, they're up on that because they've got 40 years of I know, and that's knowledge. a frustrating answer when people say, you know, you say, oh, I want to use medical cannabis, and they go, oh, there's just not enough research. Yeah. And it's like, no, there yeah, is. is. There yeah. absolutely yeah. is. There's 40-plus yeah. years of research all over the world. If it works for an Israeli, it works for an Australian. But We're all the same Australian, species. It's not Australian knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And I think that's they're, they're, the, they're, the, they're the blocks or the roadblocks that are going up at the moment. The excuses, yeah. 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 Mm. So things... And, and we're still trying to work out why. Exactly. That's what I want to you know. know. And, is, and is, it, is it for... Is it, you know, because big farmers got to catch up? Is it because we don't know? You know, we, we don't want to put a... I think <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the key words that's come out of a lot of our, our um, interviews when it comes to uh, professional people is the journey. The journey between a patient and their GP or the journey yeah, between the patient and their consultant, whatever it might be. We have to have that journey. We have to have it. If we don't have the journey, we're not going to have a good outcome. Yeah. It's not just like go and grab something off the shelf and think that that might work. There needs to be transparent communication. Both parties need to be educated because every single person is different. Mm. Every mm-hmm. single person has a different metabolism, a different environment, different acidity in their bodies and so on and so on. So... It's really it's this is where the black market this is where we've been astounded by the black marketeers. Yeah. They know this. Yeah, mm. they know. They ha- they have a lot of They've this knowledge. Got the knowledge. Yeah. But no one's looking at mm. their knowledge. No, no, because yeah, they no, can't there's no say credit. that they have it either because yeah. Well, they've it. actually put their hand up and said, "Here, take our knowledge." And they they mm. they discredit them straight away because mm. one they're not a doctor, they're not a scientist. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got 40 years of mm. yeah, day in day out seeing people and the results, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. 
So hopefully part of this education process with Hires Mike and what we reveal to all Aussies moving forward is to be transparent in communication and actually change your way of thinking a little bit, you know? Like, let's, yeah. let's force a little bit of a cultural change. I know I was so excited when I saw that you guys were making this documentary because it's a story that needs to be told. We need to see this, like, a person's journey to try and figure out how to get access to it because there was a, a big media campaign in 2014 when they legalized... Australia went, we're the first country in the world to legalize medical cannabis. And I was like, all right, well, hold your horses because look over what Colorado's done, first of all. But yeah. And now Canada only just this year has completely legalized, the entire country has completely legalized all recreational and medical use of cannabis across the board. So they're the first country to actually do it properly. But there was this big campaign in Australia that we're on the forefront of medical cannabis. And then I was like, all right, well, show me the, the patients. Mm -hmm. Israel is probably they? the first country to actually do it really, really well. Mm. Out of all of us. Yeah, yes, that's with right. Testing. With, with testing. With testing. With and testing. And they've been doing it with in nursing homes. I think I saw a little documentary on in Israel how they've been, um, they did a massive yeah, trial yeah, with yeah, yeah. <laughs> nursing homes. They were having old people vaporize and just that's see gross. what happens. Mm -hmm. and, oh, so and, cool. and patients with PTSD and so on and so on. Mm. The, the works. There's this epilepsy. Mm. I think their, their initial was epilepsy, wasn't it? Or one of their initial testing protocols with, mm. with epilepsy. Because, yeah, who knows, that there is a gene... Yeah. In, in their in their uh, yeah. The other big blood. one was was chemotherapy uh, and children with cancer. Yeah. And uh, they did a they did a, they did a trial with um, ten kids, mm. five taking medicinal cannabis, five a placebo. Okay. Day one of that trial, mm. so the scientists are sitting back. Mm. They've given them their medicine. That evening, the doctor on call there who was looking after those kids walked straight up to the scientists and said, "I know exactly which kids have been taking medicinal cannabis." They're sitting up playing their iPads and now the kids are spewing it and nearly dead. Oh it was as God. clear clear as that. Clear cut. Wow. There was no, oh, my, no, no, that's it. That kid has taken medicinal cannabis. That kid hasn't. Mm. So how can we justify this resistance to legalisation or regulation? We can't justify it. We can't. No. It's inhumane. It is. Mm. So what do we do? Well, we make stand a noise, up. stand up, be counted, go to your doctors, go to your, your, your local members, yeah, make a noise. Mm. That's what we all have Go to, to the Highest Mic webpage mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, yeah, sign up and mm. we're about to uh, release a lot of information. We're going to be doing some podcasts ourselves and a lot of the interviews that we've done, we've done 48 interviews so far. Wow. Which is a lot of interviews for an hour and a half feature documentary, uh, yeah. which we will be obviously trimming down and getting the best sound bites we can from each one. Yeah. But the, some of these interviews are an hour long and they're brilliant. Wow. And, you know, moving and, you know, you, it'll bring you to tears. And it'll bring you to tears talking to some of these politicians we've spoken to. I mean, they're, you know, just as passionate about this as, mm. as a general what person. What politicians have been... Well, we spoke with, uh, well, one in particular, which is Richard Di Natale. Yeah. The yeah, Greens leader. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Mike interviewed him, um, sat down for, I don't know, about 40 minutes or so, uh, had a chat to him, told Mike his story, because Richard Di Natale is actually a doctor, so mm. GP, and he was very interested in Mike's case to start with, and, um, you know, he same deal. He just said, look, if there's not a doctor out there willing to help you, your only option is a black market. Mm. Mm. So he's telling people, if you can't get what you want, you need to go and find it yourself. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've interviewed anyone that's not, not empathetic towards 
cannabis. Yeah. And We've tried to find in it. Particular. Yeah, because you do kind of want to get that other side to see, like, what is going on with this other side of the planet? Because that's the trouble. We've tried. It's just, it's practical, right? It's common sense and practical, but unfortunately, common sense and practical doesn't always come through until, until, you know, past our time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I know, and it is a matter of us trying to be patient and keep pushing forward when you know that it's the right thing but it's hard to be patient when you know that that many people could be helped that mm. aren't being helped and it's just and it's purely because of some weird bureaucratic draconian system that doesn't make sense imagine the um the the, the effect that if these 200,000 people um that are on illicit medicinal cannabis um imagine if they are in the health system Mm. You know, like the the amount of money that it would cost for the the governments to to treat these people, mm. they've been the government has has been saving all this money because of the black market. Wow. If they are in the system, you know, imagine the cost that we'd be looking at. Yeah, oh, millions, millions of dollars. Billions. Wow, because all these people would yeah, be billions. that sick. Yeah, right, there'd be yeah. another few zeros on that billion. Yeah. Billions, yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it, it's like. Uh, the the fact that it, I mean it's not a silver bullet it's, it, it's not mm. the panacea for everybody for some people it won't work at all for some it'll just relieve symptoms it won't cure them and all that but as Pete was saying before we're all different and depending on the conditions and the growth and and everything but for the majority of people and it's all anecdotal it works it just works and the fact that it's a legal product has been for 80 years because of the you know, prohibition ending and they needed something else to give themselves a job for. Um, this plant, we've, we've lost 80 years of knowledge in Australia and like the Western world. Mm. The, the Israelis took it up 50 years ago and started studying it. Mm. And we're, it's catch up, but it's, it's here and now. It's working and we should all have the right to try it mm. today right. if we need it. And Australians and Australia are in a really good position to be world leaders in, in, in cannabis structure, cannabis reform in some way, mm. shape or form. We are, we're poised. Well, we have the infrastructure, leaders. it's just in the black market and we need to figure mm. out how to transfer that information over. Yeah, but we also have some of the best growing conditions in the world. Right. We, also, we also have some of the best horticulturists and, and botanists in the world. We have some of the most cool. fantastic and, and eager beaver and focused people who are, who are really good at what that Australians are great at inventing things and mm. coming up with solutions and so on and so on. You know, like forget the problem. There's only a solution. You know what I mean? Mm. This is a solution to a lot to a lot of things in the in the medical industry with pain and cancers and so on and so on. Health and well-being. Mm. You know, like I, I'm I would be an advocate for um, introducing it back into kindergarten instead of milk. Weed. Yeah. <laughs> Have it in your salad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why not juice hey, it? Why not juice yeah, it for the children? It, yeah. you, you see where I'm coming from? If it's if we're missing it out of our diet, and it's one of the things that's in our diet, and we have an endocannabinoid system that actually says, where are you? Mm. But I can't find you for the last 100 years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Introduce it. If it's about health and well-being, and there's more kids who are getting Crohn's disease, and there's more people who are, who are, who so are getting autism. autism, and you name yeah, it, mental palsy, disabilities, whatever. and so on and so on, whatever yeah. it is, maybe this is the missing thing out of our diet. Right. And we should make a quick disclaimer here. When we talk about juicing, I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this knows what I'm talking about. But if you don't uh, heat cannabis up, it does not become psychoactive. So you can eat, you could literally eat an entire bushel, a huge plant of cannabis, and you would not get stoned at all. Because 
it doesn't it's not psychoactive until you heat it up that's Correct. why we when you smoke weed you have to do it through a bong or a joint but there is there are certain things that become active when it mm. is heated right so therefore from a medicinal perspective yeah there, there are there are certain uh treatments out there where that where it needs to be heated to mm. actually get mm-hmm. the right um active agents in the plant mm. working on your body properly yeah unlockers what are there 140 receptors that we have in our body and cannabis has 140 keys to unlock them yeah. we just need to find the right combination to unlock and there's scientists out there doing it now there's scientists right. in australia working 24 7 on this mm. yeah mm. we will get yeah. there. there's a lot we don't know hey? we will get there. Yeah. you know the likes of justin sinclair you know mm. Mm. incredible mm. scientists in sydney yeah lambert institute they're all Sorry. they're all researching this for for the better yeah, yeah. And um, look, it's an exciting time, but a frustrating time because there's people out there dying today that could be taking something or just relieving some pain Mm. that nothing's worked. They've been taking morphine or whatever for for the last 10 years Mm. and they could be just taking some, you know, cannabis, medicinal cannabis and Mm. life would change. Our ageing population in Australia is in pain, Mm. 100%. Yeah. The amount of grey nomads that go through Nimbin getting consultations is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's just Australian people over 55, 60 year old, year old, most of them, large percentage are probably in pain. Yeah. Back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, whatever. Gut yeah. pain. Who knows? God. <laughs> too much beer. Not enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough exercise, too much beer. Yeah. I know I'm scared for my joints in the future. I'm kicking bags and people all the time. <laughs> Make sure you grow a couple of plants in your backyard. You'll be yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Eventually. I, I think. I think if I was to say anything to, to to everyone that I meet, research the endocannabinoid system, mm-hmm. read about it, learn about it. You're going to become really, really fixated on what this is all about because mm. it's good for us and we need to know and unfortunately you know research scientists only really found out about the endocannabinoid system 25 years ago just a bit over 25 years ago right and the endocannabinoid system for anyone that doesn't know what you're talking about is it's essentially the same thing like we have a respiratory system in our in our body it's a system of receptors that receive cannabinoids which are the chemical molecules that are on the cannabis plant whether it's decarboxylated or not whether it's been heated or not been heated those things still go into the receptors in your body so our bodies literally are designed to receive cannabinoids and every animal yeah and every animal every animal animal. Mm. and that supercharges you and kicks your immune system Mm. into overdrive Mm. 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 it's not a cure it's yeah it tells our body that there's a problem and then the body says i need to cure that and fix it i need to fix it yeah wow yeah so it's our bodies that actually help itself right but the that the, the cannabis triggers <clears throat> our endocannabinoid system to say, whoops, Anana, there's a problem. Yeah, Go find out what that is and yeah. fix, quickly fix it. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. That when, when someone has a tumour and then 12 weeks, 12 weeks later they don't, that's testimony to the fact that... Something's going on. Something's there. going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. And we're not talking one person here. Right. Yeah, like we're not saying, you know... We've seen hundreds. Mm. Wow. Mm. When someone's got Parkinson's disease and then four minutes later after they put oil under their tongue, they don't have the symptoms of it, that says something, doesn't it? Wow. That's when, so when, when a child takes a, a drop under their tongue and they suffer from autism, 
no communication with their family, their parents, whatever, and by the afternoon they're talking to their parents for the first time. That's the sort of stories we come across. My God. Yeah. Fuck, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Seven out of ten interviews, I bawled my eyes out. Yeah, I bet. I bet, yeah. man. I yeah. know, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's incredible. Yeah. When um, do you guys think you'll have the documentary out? Uh, we're launching it uh, in March, and that's going to be at the U, U, United in Compassion Forum on the Gold Coast, actually, uh, Tweed Heads. Oh, cool. Yeah, awesome. so we're actually going to be in the area, which is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, well, I'll be able to and see it. open to the public, yeah. so Good anyone shit. can okay. come. We'd love people to go to our Highs Mike uh, Facebook page. Okay. Um, go to our website, um, highsmike.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, um, yeah, just sign up and yeah, basically we're going to be feeding out some information and, uh, yeah, it's just an exciting time. But yeah. we're looking forward to launching this, uh, this documentary. It means so much. We've put so much work into it. And... Um, yeah, once once we once once we're there, we're going to roll it out with with the independent cinemas around Australia. Cool. So, uh, but we're excited about it. Mm. If yeah. anyone would like to help us out, <laughs> there is a page at Documentary Australia Documentary Foundation. Sorry, Documentary Australia Foundation. Okay. Uh, where people can donate, and oh, we cool. have we have deductible gift recipient status. So every donation is one hundred percent tax deductible. Oh, okay, cool. So, so if someone's got to spare ten thousand dollars and think, oh, hang on a second, <laughs> it costs a fortune. Oh right? gee, I've got some tax to pay. I I've might just, a, you know, I've got a funny story on on donations in actual fact, and this is how this is how focused people are in Australia. So only f- uh, three to four weeks ago, now we're in Uluru, and we we, we had the um, uh, the opportunity to interview a beautiful lady, um, an Aboriginal lady at Uluru. Like I'm talking three hundred meters from Uluru. Great background. What a what a great backdrop. Awesome. Um, and uh, during that period while we were out there, we we were filming and so on and so on. So this lady was actually talking to us about natural medicines and, and Aboriginal health and so on and so on. That that's what that was about. But while we were in the vicinity, we were doing some filming around the rock and so on and so on. And this lady um, came up to us and said, "What are you guys doing?" And we said, "We're shooting a documentary about medicinal cannabis." And she started to talk to us about, you know. Yes, she, she's probably been down that track of PTSD and a few other bits and pieces and so on and so on. Everyone, everyone has got a relationship with this with this stuff, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so she's talking away to us and, and we're saying, you know, look, there's a guy travelling with us, Mike. And Mike actually happened to be with us at that time, but he was at the car park. He was We had an early morning. He was having a sit in the car, having a drink of water, doing whatever, taking it easy. She went and sought him out and gave him $100. All right. And said, Mike, I, I, I asked the other guys if there was a, a channel to donate. And we said, we actually told her, yeah, there was. You can go onto this site. But she's actually gone and sought Mike out, found him <laughs> in the car park amongst, like, probably 7,000 Japanese people, right? <laughs> and found, which was pretty easy because Mike's <laughs> Japanese. So... Anyway, she's given Mike $100 and said, Mike, I wish you all the best. This is a donation from me. Go forth and spread yeah. the word, you know? Awesome. What a great thing. And right? Mike just was blown away. I bet. Oh, he had tears mm. in his eyes. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. it was so moving. It's a story that has to be told, man. Yeah. You guys are doing the right thing. That's fucking yeah. cool. Yeah. And I know it takes a lot of time and energy to make movies and a lot of money, so it's good. I can't mm, wait to you. see it. Mm. We can't wait for you to see it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. For Thanks for having us. Hi. That was Daniel Raffaelli, Craig Wilson, and Peter Cross talking about their movie, uh, 
High as Mike. If you want to go and see more about it, check out their Facebook page, High as Mike, uh, Instagram, same thing, and uh, documentaryaustralia.com.au. Um, if you like this podcast and you like what's going on with it and you like enjoy, and you like, you like enjoy, um, and you enjoy listening to me ramble shit, um, you can please do tell your friends, support the podcast, share it around, whatever. There's also a Patreon page that you can, for the price of a coffee a month, you can help me pay for my life and keep doing the shit that I like doing. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.